I mentioned during announcements, we are doing this new series, Committed uh, to Memory, and we talked about this passage from Ephesians last week. Now we have this this, uh, very famous passage from uh, Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, This is one, again, I encourage you to to memorize this uh, over the week. Uh, Next week, we're going to do the same sort of thing again. We'll, We'll put up the slide, blink out a couple of words, and... Uh, maybe forbearance, because that, that might not be the one that you memorize it as. Um, but we'll put up some of these words, and I just encourage you to, to memorize these. These are things that we can store away, and in times of need, we can come back to these verses and remind us of what's true and what's true about the gospel and, and our God. Uh, today's passage is about the process of sanctification, the process of once we become a Christian and enter into a relationship with God, how is it that we change and grow in holiness? Once we've received God's grace, what does it look like to actually grow and become more reflective of who Christ is? How do we grow in character? Historically, there's been kind of two approaches that we've had to this question. There's been one approach that has been you lead with the body, that there's, there's a suspicion towards the heart and towards feelings and emotion. They're unreliable. It wavers. And so lead with your body. And so what you need to do is be disciplined. Develop certain practices and habits that you can do. And then from that, character will cultivate. And so don't, don't necessarily follow your heart. Don't necessarily pay attention to how you're feeling. But instead, what you need to do is use, use willpower, use logic and reason, and from that, that's how you make the right decision in the right moment, and eventually, habits will form. You know, the funny thing about this, though, is this is something that happens inside of the church and outside of the church, and uh, there were even a, a period during the church where there were monks uh, during the, the Dark Ages that left Uh, their city and founded a monastery out in the desert because they thought, we struggle with lust so much that we just need to get away from all women, and then that'll be a way that we can develop a sort of structure and discipline around us that we won't see any women, we won't lust at all, and then we'll grow in character because of that. And so they did that. They moved out in the desert where there were no women around, and they still struggled with lust. It It didn't fix the issue. There's one way that we, we respond to growing in morality by we say we need to lead with our body and we need to, to ignore kind of what's going in our heart but develop practices and parameters and create a structure around us to guard our actions. And there's another approach that's, been on the, on, that's on the opposite end that says rather than be suspicious of our heart is our heart needs to lead us. And so what it looks like to grow and what it looks like to mature is actually to be more attentive to our heart and let our heart guide our actions and direct how we live. And so from our heart, as I'm watching how I'm feeling, I need to follow my heart and I need to to express the feelings and pursue the feelings that I have to find satisfaction. And that is what true growth looks like. I keep doing this, and what I oppose then is anything, any sort of structure or tradition that says don't follow your heart and your passions. 
Um, I am ashamed to admit this, but I've watched more episodes of The Bachelor than I, than I care to admit. Um, and I swear, every theme of every episode is, I just, I just need to follow my heart and do what my, where my heart is leading me, which usually means uh, I can't remember anyone's name, but I'm going to go with the hot girl. And that's kind of how decisions get, get made. And there's ultimately these two extremes where it's, do we follow our body? Do we follow our heart? How is it that we grow? And what's the approach that we take? And I think that the gospel presents us with a third option, and that's what I would like to talk about today. It's how does the gospel give us a different approach to growth that doesn't reflect either of these extremes? And so we're talking about this passage in in Galatians. And before we get there, I want to back up a couple of verses uh, and talk a little bit about what Paul says growth is not. So let me, let's, if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to turn to Galatians 5, I'm going to read from a passage in there. Galatians 5, this is verse 13, and you're going to notice a couple of key words. There's one, there's a description of grace, uh, growth is not a bondage, it's a, it comes from freedom. Also, growth is not self-indulgence, and so you're going to, you're going to see this in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He says, you're called to be free, so you're not called. This is in the context of the Galatians were struggling with, do we need to, after we received the grace that God gave us on the cross, do we need to add to it moral tradition and performance? Their, their drawback to uh, was, was the Mosaic law. Do we need to go back and add on tradition and a way of performing for God in addition to what he did on the cross? And, and here Paul says, no, you're called to freedom. This is, this is an expression of leading with the body. This is an idea that there is some sort of outward uh, expectation or standard that I need to meet and I'm bound to that tradition. And so what I need to do is if I want to grow in my faith, I need to muscle up all of the discipline and willpower that I have and try to achieve that standard. And once I get there, then things really start rolling with, with God. Then at that point, then God really can use me. Then I really have have uh, uh, peace with God, then I really have peace with you, with my community, then at that point I can, I can have a close relationship. But it's not until I get there that, that that's a reality. And Paul says, growth is not about being bound to some sort of external standard of, of way of performing. He says, we already have a relationship and a connection, safety that we have with God. It's not, we're not meant to be bound to some sort of law, to some sort of external standard of righteousness that we need to, to strive towards. It says you are meant for freedom. We can live freely. So this isn't a, a fake it until you make it kind of righteousness. This isn't try to act as holy as you can, and then at some point your heart's going to follow along. 
This isn't create a bunch of habits, get in the practice of being really nice to people, get in the practice of acting really holy, and then at some point your heart will, will expand and grow and mature into actually being holy. That's not freedom. Paul says that, that's not what, what maturity looks like. He also says on the other extreme, he says, he says maturity and growth is not freedom that leads to self-indulgence. Sometimes when, when we get to a place where we say, I can follow my heart, uh, the only thing then I need to pay attention to is, is my heart and figure out how I feel and I need to act on those feelings. And so my whole focus on can then be, what is it that, what is it that I want? What is it that makes me happy? And I'm going to move towards those sorts of things. And so sometimes this can even lead us to a place where we say, I'm now on, because I now have more insight into my heart, I'm now on a different spiritual plane to everybody else. And so the rules that apply to, to the immature simpletons, that works for them, but I actually have the secret knowledge of what, what my heart needs and what really makes me more mature. And so I can go and I can indulge myself in those things. Paul says that's not maturity either. Maturity isn't, isn't just being led by your body. It's also not just being led by your heart. Uh, a common phenomenon that we're seeing in the church right now, you may have heard this term, uh, exvangelical. Uh, there's this growing uh, movement, or at least a, a movement that's, that's receiving a lot of attention. Uh, exvangelicals are people who were a part of an evangelical church, uh, are going through a, a period of, of deconstruction of their faith, of reevaluating things, of kind of tearing apart the, the blocks that they place their faith on and reevaluating everything. And often it leads them to leaving the church. And so ex-evangelicals are evangelicals that no longer identify as, as evangelicals, and so they're ex-evangelicals. Uh, there's some common uh, themes that, that you'll hear from testimonies of ex-evangelicals. And there's, there's a spectrum, but common themes that happen are ex-evangelicals are often people that were used to be very involved and committed to their church. People that invested a lot of time that were in, in high leadership or volunteer positions, they committed a lot of their time. And these are not people that typically are, you know, the 20-year-old college student who leaves home and is reevaluating their faith and what they think church should look like. A lot of times these are people that are, that are middle-aged. People that, that have spent a, decades in the church and now are questioning things and they've spent a lot of time committed to the church. They've spent a lot of time even struggling with the decision to leave the church. And when they do leave, when you start asking them, what led you to leave? One of the common themes is they can talk to you about how much dysfunction they see in the church. They can talk about things where maybe they've witnessed uh, some of the politics that can happen behind the scenes in the church. They can talk about some of the things that happen with maybe a scandal happened to, in the church. Maybe sometimes it's even things like they're not being the freedom to express doubts because when those doubts get voiced about Christian beliefs, a, a canned, uh, unfulfilling answer is given to them. 
And so they, they talk about this, and what, they lead, what conclusion they come to is ultimately, I don't know if sanctification is real. I don't know if growth actually happens in faith. Because I'm looking around at the church and I see the, this, my, the pastor slept with so-and-so, and then I see this, all this bullying happening behind the scenes. I see people who, who give questions that, responses to questions that aren't very thoughtful. And so I start wondering, does the church actually experience sanctification itself? Or is it all just something kind of like made up and, and that we talk about? And, and that's, that's a heavy question and a heavy struggle that, that there isn't an easy answer to because it, there's a lot of pain that's associated with that. And so people have these questions. And so then when we look at a verse like, like Galatians 5.13, we, we kind of start wondering, does sometimes the church look a little bit like that? Do we, do we always look like people who are free? Or do we sometimes look like people who are more bound to a law or people who are more, more attached to, to self-indulgence for, for the things that, that we, we crave for? Sometimes this, there's sometimes when I, when I hear the testimonies of ex-evangelicals, there's a part of me that says, to some extent, maybe they have a point. That's maybe, maybe there's some truth to what they're saying. And I, I think that in, in the conclusion that they come to that maybe it's just best to be apart from the church, I think what that ends up doing is kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of good that the church does. There's a lot of importance. And the church is very important for the life of the believer. But there's still times where we have to admit and acknowledge that sometimes we can have a draw and a pull to act more spiritual than we are. That sometimes we can think, I know that the reality is I'm, I'm still growing in my faith and I have doubts and I have questions and there's things that I'm not sure how to answer. There's things that I still struggle with, but because I feel ashamed of those things, I need to cover them. And I need to act like that's something that's in the past. I've worked through and resolved that. And so instead, now I can act like I'm a little bit more, more spiritual and a little bit more mature than I am. And that can lead people having experiences when they see, when they see that gap, they can end up saying, does sanctification even happen? Is, is there really growth? Because I see such a disconnect between the words and the actions. This is something that, that is important for us to, to speak to the reality of we, we are works in progress. That in, in the times where we feel compelled to, to react with self-righteousness, to cover the shame and try to compensate for it, those are times we need to be really, really careful. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in strong language about this. He describes them in Matthew 23 as whitewashed tombs, saying you look pretty on the outside, but what's, on, what's going on in the inside is death and bones. And so we need to be really careful when, when we get to a place where to compensate for our, the, our awareness that we are works in progress 
if, if the response that we want to have is self-righteousness, that you are not quite on my level of spirituality, that's, that's a big red flag for us as a church. True spiritual growth is something different, and it doesn't look like this, and it doesn't look like these two options that we have of leading with the body or leading with the heart. We're going to go next, skip ahead to, to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to talk a little bit about that, that phrase at the beginning, the fruit of the Spirit. The first thing is these, these attributes are described as fruit. Just, just think with me for a moment about what, what fruit is and kind of how fruit happens. Fruit happens as the result of being nurtured. Fruit, fruit isn't something that, that you just like gut out and you say, I'm going to use my willpower and I'm going to develop some fruit. But fruit happens when, when uh, a plant receives nutrients, when it has time to grow, when, it get, and when it's given water and sunlight, and eventually the product of all of those things becomes fruit. In the same way for the Christian, we don't just gut out forbearance and joy and peace and all of these things, but these are things, these are byproducts of the result of us experiencing God's grace. And so when we notice a gap in some of these, some of these attributes, what's needed is not more of us buckling down and trying to be really good and, and muster out the strength for these things, but it's a need to receive more grace. That fruit is something that starts with what we receive and it changes us internally and then there's an outward expression for it. This is transformation that, that's internal and then leads to an outward uh, expression. It's also something that's not immediate. Uh, my wife and I, we planted a, um, a dragon fruit uh, it's a cactus is kind of what it looks like. I, I didn't even know that. I thought it would be like a bush or something like that, but it's, all of a sudden we had this cactus in our yard. And uh, it takes years for dragon fruit to actually grow. You, you're watering it, you're giving it time, and you don't get fruit right away. And you don't get fruit the next year, and you don't get fruit the year after that. It takes a lot of time. And so we can't expect fruit to just come out right away. The fruit of the Spirit, it takes time for us to see the results. Growth is also caused by the Spirit. And so this again points to us that growth happens because we need something external coming and, and nurturing our hearts. That we can't nurture ourselves. That we have needs that we cannot meet. And so we need the Spirit speaking to us directly, using the church to speak to us, and to love us, to nurture us. And so we have to be open to receiving that love that comes from, that's, comes from an external source. That, that the fruit of the Spirit is also not our fruit also speaks to the reality that we are not in control of our sanctification. That the Spirit is the one that drives our sanctification. 
and that we can open ourselves up and, and allow the Spirit to, to work in us. But sometimes the Spirit shapes us and, and matures us in ways differently than we would like. I'm going to give you an example, and, and bear with me because this might, you might cringe a little bit when I say this. Sometimes, uh, because of your struggles, those might be opportunities for character to develop. Like, there, there are times where the Spirit might not put to death certain things that have a hold over your heart because it allows opportunity for growth in other areas. So what this means is there's, there's times where I look at my heart and I think, why in the years that I've been a Christian, why has the Spirit still not given me full victory over this sin? Why does my heart still feel drawn towards this? And I, and I can sometimes question, like, is the Spirit not strong enough to give me victory? Does, the, is there something that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Why do I still feel drawn towards this sin? And what, what can happen is I want to take control over my sanctification, and I want to say what sanctification means is that I don't struggle with that anymore. And I think sometimes the Spirit says, We'll, we'll get to that, but because, of, because I still have a tendency to act out in this area, I now have an opportunity to realize there's other ways I can get those needs met and character can develop because of that. That because I know I still struggle with that, I now have the opportunity to say I need to bring that need to other safe people and I need to say, I need to talk to you on the phone right now because there's stuff going on in my heart that I'm struggling with. And in those moments, I have an opportunity to grow in humility. I, I, afterwards, I need to go and apologize to people, and so I have an opportunity to grow in forgiveness, in, in receiving forgiveness, which makes it easier to forgive other people. I see the slowness in, in the freedom that I get from victory over that sin, and so I start to develop patience because of that. And I can be patient towards other people who still have their own things that they're struggling with. And I can start growing in the spirit of, of, of and the fruit of the Spirit because of the work that he's doing, though I don't have full victory over certain sins. But the Spirit can still use those things to develop character in me. And so sometimes the ways that the Spirit works is much different than I wish, and sometimes I don't understand why he doesn't do things the way I would like. But the Spirit leads our sanctification, and he leads the process, and, and it does look different than we wish sometimes. In Psalm 1, there's a passage that speaks similarly to this. Psalm 1, 3 says, that person, speaking of a righteous person, is like a tree planted by streams of water. So this is not California. Um, this, this tree is planted by streams of water which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. He's, he's describing a tree that's by water that's being fully nurtured and giving all the water that it needs and it's experiencing peace and prosperity. The leaves never wither it prospers, and yet the fruit still just comes in season. 
There's still, the fruit doesn't, uh, the tree doesn't have fruit year round. And so in our Christian life, similar to this, there will be times where we don't see fruit. And this is part of the normal season and the normal habit of, of what it means to be a Christian, that there will be incredible times of growth and there will be times you'll be able to witness the work that the Spirit is doing in you. There's also going to be times where it's winter and you don't see any fruit and you're waiting. And those are times to endure. Growth in our faith will eventually lead to internal change which eventually leads to external change. But true internal change is not something that we are capable of. This is deep work that's done by the Spirit. This is a, jumping ahead to, to Matthew, or excuse me, Galatians 5, uh, 24. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If, if the fruit of the Spirit gave us a picture of what spiritual growth is, this verse gives us a, a, a glimpse into what spiritual, how we go about spiritual growth. We already saw before that growth does not happen while we're performing, that we're, we need to be free to have growth. We need to have free to be able to live by the Spirit, to be able to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. And so, the, but first we have to come to a place where we're no longer striving for our righteousness. Let me, let me give you an example that when we are living in, in bondage to some sort of external standard that we're trying to, to meet, at those points we, we know what we need to do. Like we have the parameters of what it means to be a Christian is to go to church every Sunday, to, to be in a small group, to tithe a certain amount, to not say any bad words. And we have this list of what it looks like to be a mature Christian and, and have growth. At that point, what need is there for the Spirit? Because I already know exactly what to do. I have, my, I have step one, step two, step three, and I can just follow that path. So I don't need the Spirit at that point. When I have some sort of external standard of righteousness that I'm striving to meet, there's no need to keep in step with the Spirit. But instead, when we are called to be free, there, there is a sense of scariness to this. Being called to keep in step with the Spirit, well, what, what if I'm not listening to the Spirit? What if, what if the Spirit speaks and I didn't hear? And there, there can be a sense of scariness of, I it feels ambiguous. Where, where do I go? What do I do? Here's, here's a couple of things that can help us. This, this verse, these verses in, in 24 and 25, it says, our flesh and our desires and passions have been crucified. And instead, that's contrasted with keep in step with the Spirit. See, there's, there's a sense of there are certain things I, in my sinful nature, I have a pull and a draw towards and what I need to do is I need to re, uh, redirect my, my passions and my longings to instead be oriented to, to things of Christ. And so I need to replace the idols that I have in my heart with things that ultimately will satisfy them, satisfy my heart, and that being Christ. 
And so there's, there's this, re- this, this removal and a redirection towards things of Christ that, that I need to do. When I get to that place, then, I also need to be willing to ask myself, am I actually open to being led by the Spirit? When, I, when the Spirit tells me that this certain thing is an idol in my heart, am I actually willing to address it and say, okay, I, I'm willing, Spirit, remove this idol and help me to long for the things of you? Am I willing to be attentive to the Spirit and say, God, I expect you to, to speak to me. I'm listening. When I, when I read Scripture, when I, when I pray, am I pausing enough to listen to God? This means developing a practice of listening to the Spirit. It means developing an intentionality to listen to where, to times that the Spirit might be speaking to me through Scripture, in times of prayer, in times of community with, with my Christian friends. Am I, am I actually open to, to the Spirit leading me, and am I open to Him speaking to me? If I can give you a personal example, um, I have a idolatry of appearing smart. Um, I, if there's, I there's I there's things like I can deal with that people view me as like you know some of the things if I can't dance or whatever you know I can't sing though I don't care. Um, but if someone looks at me and they think Ah Daniel's dumb, uh, those that's that gets at me like. You know, I, I do not want to appear uninformed, unintelligent, unthoughtful. That's something that really just eats at me. And so sometimes when I, the way that ends up coming out is when I see people uh, who don't seem very intelligent, sometimes I can, be, I can compensate for that by, by then being a little bit dismissive, like a little bit condescending towards people like that. There's this word in my mind that, uh, the word idiot. There's something about that word that when I think that person's an idiot, uh, that's, that's kind of a key to me of like, hold on, something, something's going on in my own heart right now. Um, there's something about feeling and looking smart that is important to me in front of other people. And when I... Uh, am willing to listen to the Spirit and the, I start feeling the Spirit speak to me and saying, like, what, what is going on in my heart about how I need to be viewed by other people? Those, those are opportunities for me to then say, I have this, this idol of intelligence or appearing intelligent in front of other people. My identity is being based on appearing intelligent in front of other people. I need to redirect my longings. And when I start redirecting my longings, I start thinking, what is it that the Spirit tells me is true about me? And the Spirit tells me that, that God loved me enough, he values me enough, that while I was still a sinner, he would die for me. He values me enough that I can be as stupid as possible, and he's still going to say, you are valuable that that's what my identity comes from, that my identity has nothing to do with my intelligence. My identity comes from God looking at me and saying, you are valuable and precious to me and I will die for you. 
And that's something that I have to redirect, and it happens often, and, it, and sometimes I don't. But that's something that I have to come to, but I have to be attentive to the Spirit to, to be leading me. That's something where it's keeping in step with the Spirit, where listening to what the Spirit is saying and also being willing to be led. Because there's times that I want to say, no, I, I am smart, and I've gone to school, and I've done these things, and I've read books, and blah, blah, blah. Come on, like, I want the, I want the satisfaction of seeming smart, and I want the satisfaction of having a reputation where people think they can come and answer, ask me questions, and I'll have an answer for them. But instead, I have to be willing to say, I have a part to play in, in God's kingdom. He's, he's given me graciously a role to do that. But it's by his grace and it's by him looking at me and saying that I'm valuable, that that's a reason why I have a role to play. It's not anything to do with my intelligence. And so we have to come and we have to say, am I willing to be led Am I willing to make to identify that idol and readjust my passions and find it ultimately in Christ? This is what we're called to. And as we do this, we grow in, in grace. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We become people that, that are characterized by the fruit of the Spirit and by these traits. So as we, as we conclude, I, I remind you that growth is not, it's not leaving with the body. It's not just an external fake it until you make it and then hopefully the heart catches up in growth. It's also not something that's just internal and just following our passions and, and hoping that ultimately we get satisfaction. But we're, this is being described as a process that's slow, it's gradual, and it's something that we're not necessarily in control of. But it's something that we can open ourselves and we can invite the Spirit to come and work in us. And as, we, as the Spirit works in us, as we remain open to being led, as we be attentive to what the Spirit is doing, the, the eventual product of that is going to be fruit. And there's going to be character that changes. There's going to be character that's expressed in season but we have to invite the Spirit in. We have to invite the Spirit to have control. Let me pray for us.